Quick review if I can, because I know many of you missed at least one of these. The very first Sunday we kicked this off and we talked about the next chapter of your life. 2016 is like you know, part of the book that is your life, your biography. And what most of us are doing is we're letting other people write the chapters. We're just kind of waking up at the end of the year and looking back and say, wow, look at all that happened. Some good, some bad, and all that. And you know, that, that's, that's what's going to happen with most of us. A lot of us are just going to wake up and say, wow, where did the year go? And man, there's a lot of bad stuff happened. And wow, I didn't get near as much done as I thought I should. But there's going to be a few people who are going to decide early in the year, like right now, it's still January, okay? You hadn't missed the first month of the year yet. If you hadn't started yet, you can still get started the first month of the year. There are a few people who, who on the, the 31st day of, of the month of December in 2016, they're going to look back and they're going to say, um, they're going to say there were amazing things that God did in my life this year. There are a few people who are going to be able to say that because they're deciding right now to do some things, some important things. And then, then the next week was next steps. Okay, you can't just decide, you've actually got to take the next steps. My wife didn't know this last night when she offered to make me some blueberry muffins, but uh, I actually had a little note there in my sermon notes that said blueberry muffins with uh, the ones in the can. You know the ones, you can buy that little dollar pack, you know, down at the Dollar General or whatever, and it's just it's got those little blueberry crunchy things or something. I don't even know what that is, you know. But there's, there is a mix that you buy in the box, and, you know, and, and inside it there is a can, and you know, you open that can, and there are real blueberries in real blueberry juice. And so when she, when she said that, I, I said, is it the ones with the can and the real blue? She said, yeah. I said, yeah, make those for us tonight. So, so and that was dessert. And I had three of those after I had a hamburger and everything else, right? You know, but, and, and, and so, you know, and I had this in my notes. Here's why I had this in my notes is you can't go to the store and buy that box and go sit it, you know, go into the store, picking it out, paying for it, bringing it home, getting it out of the bag, sitting on your, your cabinet. You can't do that, and tomorrow morning when you wake up, you're going to have hot blueberry muffins for breakfast. Unless you are a lazy man who has got an awesome wife who does it before you get up, it ain't going to happen. I mean, you know, somebody has to do what? You flip that box over, and on the back, there are instructions, steps to take. You can't just make the decision. You can't just pay for it. You've got to take the steps. You have steps to take this year. And then the next week, uh, the next week was next person. Uh, the third week of, the, of this sermon series was next person. Here, here's the thing I want, if, if you missed this, here, here's, wrap it up real quick. God has ordained specific new people to come into your life this year. And if you're not careful, you're going to misunderstand who those people are. And you're going to make the, you're going to make the wrong connection with the right people. The, the, the people that God wanted to put in your life, but you're going to make the wrong connection with them. And you're going to create the wrong relationship. The right person, but you're going to make the wrong relationship. Mm, that's intriguing, isn't it? I hope so, because if you missed that one, you really need to go back and hear that one. And, and, and last week, Brent preached to us about our next opportunity. You can't, and some of you saw this this week, you can't really go to church. You can only be the church. It's who we are. We are the church. It's not a building. It's not even a, a, an hour and 15 minute gathering that we have on. That's not what the church is. The church is us. And so we take the church everywhere. The church, the world doesn't come to the church. The church goes to the world. We gather on Sundays and, and this is awesome, but it doesn't end here. It, it, it's like, you know, today is 
the first day of the week, right? Isn't it? It is so awesome to me that we get together on the first day of the week because it reminds me this is not the end. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. When we say amen, it is just getting started. Now it's time to get out there and, and do something amazing in the world. And so now today, we're at the fifth of this, and today is next adventure. You have a next adventure ahead of you. And, and, and again, and here, here's, here's the two options that you've got in this, this year of 2016, is you can take life as it just comes to you. And that's what most people do. You think about a lot of the people, you know, I started to throw some characterizations out there and some names and whatever, you know, and come on, just go with me here. Okay, don't, don't make me be real too mean-spirited right here, but you know, the people who just kind of sit around and let life happen and then they grumble and complain because life happened, you know, yeah, you, you, you can do this. That's why you can just take life as it comes, you know, whatever happens, whatever people do to you, whatever people do around you, whatever people do, you know, because of you or whatever, you can just take all that or you can own your growth. T- today's sermon is about growing. And you can own that growth. You can own your life. You can, you can own your future. You can own your 2016. You don't have to let other people write your 2016. You don't have to let your boss write your 2016. If you're in an abusive relationship, you don't have to let the other person in that relationship write your 2016. You and God can write your 2016, but you are going to have to own your life, own your growth, own your future, own your promises, own all of these steps that you got. You're going to have to own those. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about four areas that you've got to own if you're going to grow in 2016. And it's not just about growing for the sake of growing. You know, I, you, know you, you hear me say from time to time, I'm, I'm not a big, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not an exercise guy. I'm not a driving range guy. I don't want to go to the driving range to work on my golf game. I just want to go play. That's why I'm no good, right? I hadn't played in four years now. I, I, I don't want to do something just for the sake of doing something. And I was telling that to one young lady in our church, and I'll let Kelsey remain anonymous so that nobody knows who I'm talking about. And I was explaining that to her, and I said, I don't want to just exercise. And she started to, she is, a, be careful. Put your guard up. If you don't want to be in CrossFit, put your guard up. She is excellent. Okay? I mean, because she had, she had me, she don't have me there yet, but she had me believing, okay? She had me believing that, you know, and, and because it's not just about growing for the sake of growing. That there is something. You are growing to something. Get this. You're growing to something. At the end of 2016, you're going to look back and say, this is what has transpired. This is what has happened in my life. And you're either going to, you know, you're, you're all of your emotional and spiritual muscles are, are going to atrophy, you know, and have atrophy in them and, you know, just wither away and be nothing. Or you're going to grow and you're going to become stronger and you can become the man or the woman of God, God that, that, that he dreamed you could be way back when, when you were in your mother's womb and he was writing all of your members, he was figuring out who you would be and he was giving you all these characteristics and things. And now, now this, you have this year ahead of you and you get to choose this and you get to grow. But there are four areas that you're going to have to own if you're going to grow. Okay, so the first one, the first one is prayer, right? I am right, right, okay, just making sure. It's prayer, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 reminds us that prayer is an ongoing dialogue, okay? Prayer is not something that you stop and you get on your knees and you talk to God for two minutes, 10 minutes, two hours. That's not all that prayer is. Prayer is ongoing dialogue, as Paul writes, Paul was the author of the letter to the Thessalonians. And he said, pray without 
ceasing. And see, if you think prayer is what you do when you get on your knees and that's all that prayer is, then you think Paul is saying, okay, everybody get on your knees and don't ever get up again. You know, we got to go to work tomorrow. We got to, you know, we got to pay bills. We got to take care of kids. We got to, we got a lot of things to do. He's not saying you pray and everything else goes out the window. He's saying pray without ceasing. It is an ongoing dialogue. How many times liken it to, you know, walking down the street and you say, I'm talking to this person all the way. We don't talk all the time. You know, you, there, there are breaks where maybe you get a cell phone call, you know, and, uh, you know, and so you take that call or there, there are breaks where you stop and you bend over and tie your shoes, you know, but you just, you just keep that conversation going. That's what prayer is. You know, one of probably, I guess my favorite Christmas movie is It's a Wonderful Life. Now there, now listen, uh, please don't anybody build your theology out of uh, any movie you know, out there, especially any Hollywood movie, and especially anything about angels, because angels are not dead people that are trying to earn their wings and, you know, get halos and play harps and sit on clouds throughout eternity, okay? That's not, okay, that's not why this is my favorite movie, but it is just my favorite movie for Christmas and a lot of, for a lot of reasons. But there is this guy named Clarence who is an angel in the movie, not not solid theologically, but there's some solid relationship there. There's some solid thing to see there in this. And it is that relationship. It's that ongoing dialogue. If you watch, if you know the movie, what happens is all, is all through it. He's talking. It's like he's talking, you know, to heaven. And, and he shares, it's like something comes up and he's talking. He looks up to heaven and he says, what do you think about this? And there's an ongoing dialogue. And when it's time for the miracle to happen, and there are several times in the movie that it's time for a miracle to happen, it's like he He's talking again. That's what prayer is. Prayer is an ongoing dialogue and where, you, you, you know, you talk to God. It's when, when bad th- you know, it's like you're driving down the road and somebody pulls out in front of you, you know, and you're slamming on the brakes and saying, oh, Jesus, at the same time. Now, there's two good, re- there's two good reasons to say, oh, Jesus. One is if you're just cussing because you can't believe they did that to you, okay? That might be a good reason for some of you to just yell, oh, Jesus. But for those of you who are in constant communication with God, that is a prayer, oh, Jesus, please help me because this idiot is trying to kill me, right? It's still a good prayer, oh, Jesus. But that's what it is. It's prayer. It's ongoing dialogue. You don't have to be like Archie Bunker. Y'all know who that is, right? Uh, that, you know, that one time there was, a, there was an episode of Archie Bunker. They sit down at the table and, and, and they, you know, he, they never pray, but this time they're going to pray over the food. And so he stops and he looks at me and says, God, A Bunker here. You know, if you're in constant communication with God, you don't have to introduce yourself. That's what God wants. He doesn't want you to be in one of those situations driving down the road and all of this, you know, a potential wreck is happening right in front of you. You don't have time to introduce yourself. You better hope that you've already been in that constant dialogue and communication with God so that you don't have, all you got to do is say, hey, Jesus, I need you right now. You know, and he knows who you are because y'all been talking all day long already. Get it? That's what it's all about. And when you're not praying, you know what happens when you're not praying? You don't get anything. Book of James tells us that. Book of James chapter four, verse one and two lays this out really good for us. I mean, it says, you know, you, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. Come on, look at the world around you today. If we don't get what we want, we scheme, we plot, we plan, and some people even kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight, you wage war to take it away from them. But you know what he says? He says, the reason you don't have what you need is because you haven't asked God yet. And how many of us, oh man, it's, it's like this is, this is, this is one of the, the struggles I have as a pastor and most every pastor I know has this struggle is that I have these people all week long that, that tell me about all of their problems and, and, you know, and then I say, oh, well, 
you know, let's pray. How, you know, how is, how's your prayer life connecting with this? You know, what is God telling you? What, where are you reading in the word? And I said, well, you know what? I really haven't been reading the word and I really haven't been praying about it. You know, I'm just kind of trying to figure it out on my own. You know, and I'm trying, they're, they're, I don't have anything for you then because you're asking the pastor's help. Well, the pastor's help is God. I'm, I'm not your help. Somebody just said this right before service to me. Said, I'm not your help. God is your help. If you're trying to connect to God through me, it ain't gonna happen. You need to be connecting with God. The reason most of us, James says it right here. He's talking to the church. And he says, listen, church, the reason most of you don't have what you need is because you haven't asked God yet. Ask God, open your mouth and ask God because the word of God is full of so many promises. And you hear me, man, how many, how many times almost every week in a row have you heard me give this verse over and over here in Matthew? In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 19. G, this, and these, this is Jesus speaking, okay? If you got an old red letter edition Bible, it's, this is in red words because this is Jesus. He says, again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Two of you here on earth agreeing about anything, it will be done. There is, there is no doubt there. There is no hesitation. There is no, it might be. There's, there, there are no qualifiers thrown in there. He, Jesus says, it will be done. You need to get that this morning. And every Sunday, you know, I, I, you know, most every Sunday, I remind you, these prayer team members at the end of service, they're, they're dying to pray for you today. They want to pray for you. They're praying. They get to pray with you and agree. And this, this one verse right here is enough for every one of you that has any need in your life. Say, I, I, I want to go down here and just join hands with one person and say, I need a job this week and agree that it's going to be done. Because this, this verse right here, it's power. Some of you need to decide right now, the end of this service, my need is important enough to me that I'm going to go get this. I got the promise right here. You've heard me quote it. I wanted you to see it this morning. There it is. You need to ask God. And the promise is where two agree. Agree. Get somebody to agree with you in prayer. That's why this is important at the end of the service. That's why this is powerful at the end of the service is to have, have a prayer team member pray with you. It can be anybody, but the prayer team has been praying for you all week. There are, that was a couple of prayer team members just said amen right there. They've been praying for you all week. So by all means, these are the people I need to connect with because they've already been praying with me and they're ready. they're ready to agree in faith and belief. So some of you need to decide, today's the day I begin to pray. The second area you need to own your growth is in the Bible and your personal devotion. You know, this, this, this is good, this is good, but you know how deep I can go on a Sunday morning? When I've got people who have grown up in church and they're now 50, 60, 70 years old, and I've got people that, that have never been, they don't even know what a Sunday school class looks like. You know how deep I can go today because we got all this. I can share with you, you know, I can share with you a lot of stuff, but a lot of times it's like, it's like a bird bath, you know. It could be three feet wide and two inches deep. You know, that, a lot of, that's what a Sunday morning service normally is, a message on Sunday morning normally is. You have to go deeper, and you have to own that growth. I cannot make you deeper on Sunday morning. You have to do that. And there are so many opportunities to do that. If you're a member of 2911 or a regular tender, there are so many opportunities to do that just right here, right here with your family. Not, not on Sunday morning, but in other areas. And here's the reasons why. Three reasons why we go to the Bible to seek understanding. 
to gain wisdom and direction, to defeat temptation. Anybody need any of that? Anybody need some wisdom? Anybody need some guidance about something going on in your life? Anybody need some understanding? Does anyone need some power to overcome the temptation that keeps messing you up? You keep failing because you, you just keep the same one temptation. I keep falling, I keep falling, I keep falling. There's the Word of God is there for you. If, if you need any of that, then that's, that's why you need to be in the Word of God. And you have to own that. You have to decide. If you haven't ever yet, and you've probably heard me say this, that there's an awesome app from Life Church. It called the, it's just the Bible app. And, and, and if you can't find it yourself, ask me. I'll, I'll help you get it downloaded on your phone. And you go there, you, you can read in whatever the translation, you know, fits your understanding better. But, but also you can, you can tap it and tell it to read it to you while you're riding down the road, just lay it there beside you in the car. You can listen to someone read the Bible to you. And there are also reading plans, like whatever you need. There are hundreds of reading plans there that if you need help uh, with a family situation, you need help with your finances, you need help with grace, you can't forgive yourself for something in the past. There are hundreds of, of apps, or, I'm sorry, uh, reading plans right there in that app that you can just access. And it'll remind you daily if you need it to. Say, hey, you need to read today and things to just help you. And it's right there. You need to get into that. You have to own your growth. I can't do it for you. There's nobody. That app can't do it for you because if it sends you the, if it sends you the reminder, you, you, have to, you, have to, you have to, here's how hard you have to work. You have to tap it so that it goes to that scripture and then you have to read it, okay? That's how hard you have to work, but you still have to do that part. You have to. Let me, let me show you just one promise in the word. And this is Old Testament too, okay? But now the Old Testament, Jesus didn't throw it away. He just perfected it, okay? But here, here's, look at, look at this awesome promise. Joshua chapter one, verse eight. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Now, let me ask you are, you, are you a gulper or a saverer? When you eat, do you gulp or do you savor? Are you one of those people that chews about two times and it's down your throat? You know, and you're through a whole meal in about six or seven minutes? Are you a saver and you chew, mm, this is good, and you chew, mm, that's good. Mm. Well, with me, it's according to what the meal is, you know? <laughs> there are some places, man, I am a saver, but, you know, and I know that I'm going to this restaurant and I am anticipating that I'm gonna savor today. I am not gonna eat in a hurry. I'm gonna cut that piece of steak. I'm gonna lay it in my mouth and I'm gonna taste it before my teeth ever touch it. I'm gonna let it lay there I'm gonna, mm, and just enjoy. That's what, he's that's what meditation means when you meditate on the word. It means I am about to go to the book of life. And I am gonna put that inside of me and before I ever begin trying to divide it up and chew it apart, I'm just gonna taste. I'm gonna savor and I'm gonna understand. This is what he's saying is, he's saying this, this book of the law, now they had a book of law. You and I have a book of life. This was Old Testament. You and I have New Testament. They had a, a book of laws. You and I have a book of life. And he says, even this book of law that they had to, they had to deal with, he said, if you meditate on it day and night, you, you'll be careful to do everything written in it, then you, will be, then you will be prosperous and successful. This is what Joshua was promised. If you do this, you'll be prosperous. You'll be successful. What a promise. And the word of God is full of those promises. So, so see, the needs that you have, whatever needs you have, there are promises, and not just one, not just five. There are multitudes of promises throughout the scripture that, that pretty much almost have your name written across them. 
And I know there are some purists who like to say, well, that was just to Joshua. Well, let me tell you something. There, there are times, here's, here's, what's, here's what'll happen to you when you're reading the Bible. If you're really seeking instruction or understanding or wisdom or guidance or, or strength over temptation, you're, you're seeking those things, here's what's gonna happen to you. When you go to the Word of God, you're looking for that. Here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to be reading along, and you might be in the middle of some story, you know, and it's talking about somebody with long hair doing some amazing stuff. It's talking about a kid with a, a slingshot, you know, or whatever, and you're reading some stuff, and all of a sudden, you hit a little place right there in the Scripture, and you say, mm, wow, that really speaks to me. You know, that, that sounds like it's almost talking about my situation. It is, because you see, when I speak... I, I, I do my best to speak to a crowd, but you know, it's almost like I, I'm almost speaking to one or two people almost in my mind because you know, it, it's kind of hard for me. But when God speaks, he wasn't speaking to one or two men. He wasn't speaking to one moment. He was speaking to generations and generations and generations. And there are promises for you hidden in the pearls of wisdom hidden for you in the middle of all those things. That's what happens when you begin to go to the word of God and you begin to savor. You're going to begin to see wow, there's some amazing stuff that is here. But you have to own that. You have to do it. You have to take the time to open the Word or open your app. You have to take the time to do that, and you're going to begin to discover amazing things in the Word of God. Third is giving. Y'all wish I'd have left this one out, don't you? Giving. You're going to have to own your giving. Because Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, if we bring the whole tithe, now the tithe, that means 10%. If we bring the whole 10% of our income into the storehouse, now this, this is the New Testament storehouse, the body that we are today. Bring it into this local storehouse, then God says, I will provide. There are four powerful promises right here that he makes to the church. And the first one, he says, I will, look what he says, so that, um, and, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to, for you to even store it. That even if you can catch it all, you don't have room to store it. Why would he do something like that? Because he don't want you to store all of it. He wants you to have enough so you can do more. He says, if you will give, I'll do this. He goes on to talk about how he provides bread or meat for his house. This man, okay, let me, let me try to wrap this up and not spend a lot of time here. And, and let me tell you why, why I bring this to you today. Because some of you say, I, I got financial needs. I cannot get my head above water. And, and you know, just like I, I said a few moments ago, I asked people, well, how, how's your prayer life? And, you know, what is it that you, and so people tell me that, you know, and then I want to I say, well, are you tithing? Are you giving God any seed that he can grow something out of? You want him to grow a miracle in your life? Or are you giving him any seed that he can grow that miracle out? You got to do that. You know, so if I don't tell you about this, then I'm not telling you about the seed. There's the seed. You've got to do this. Brent last week reminded us if there were no kids workers, you know what it looked like back there? You know, some of y'all got kids. Y'all know what it looked like back there if we didn't have any kids workers, right? If there were no kids workers at 2911, what would our kids ministry look like? We'd, we'd, just, we'd just be hoping that they were all still there after service was over, right? That some of them hadn't already left, found a way to get your keys and drive home, you know, you 10, 12-year-olds or whatever, right? What if there were no tithers at church 2911? I can tell you what, what there wouldn't be. There wouldn't be a roof. There wouldn't be lights. There, there wouldn't be ministry. There, there wouldn't be a pastoral staff for you to call on that's pouring into you. There wouldn't be 
you, you know, we, we would again, we'd be back to yelling at you on Sunday morning and we'd be doing it outside because we couldn't afford it. If there were no, tw- there are tithers at 2911 and that's why you were sitting here and enjoying an awesome service today is because there are tithers at 2911. And you know what? Sometimes I almost feel sorry for those who do tithes, you know, they say, man, they really, really, but then I realize, no, they're doing that because they have learned this right here. When you tithe, God says, I will pour out such that you cannot. But that's, I don't know if you know that or not, that's Old Testament too. And now what Jesus has done is Acts chapter one, verse eight, right before Jesus leaves, Jesus spreads the mission. He said, no longer are we just the house of Israel, but now we've got to reach the whole world. So no longer is it just about the tithe. He said, he said you know, and, and when he was asked about this, he said, yeah, do this too. Don't, don't neglect the tithe. Don't neglect that. But he said, there are other things to do as well. And he said, there's a mission to accomplish. And he said, into all the world. There it is right, before, right there in front of you. And there, there are several scriptures I'm going to skip this morning. There's some, but they're all on the Sunday's page. So go there and you can read those and you can catch the rest of those. But I know some of you are saying, I don't give a dime here to the church. I just come and I just receive, and I am so blessed that God allows me to just sit here and receive. And, and pastor, I'd like to get involved in some, you know, in really making things happen, but 10%? Oh, that's big when you don't do it. I, I understand that. That's big when you've never done it before. So what do you need to do? You need to start somewhere. Just start. And I don't know, some, some, some purist preachers out there, they're, they're, they're going to be upset with me if they hear that I said this. And, you know, if all you can do is start with one, start with 1% and say, oh, that, that, that's not biblical. You can't tell them that's, I didn't say it was okay. I said, you know, that's between them and God, but you need to get started, don't you? And, and here's the reason I say that. If we go back to the, go back to three places in the old Testament, the book of Exodus and the book of Deuteronomy, what you will see is you'll see where God says to them, this is old Testament. He said, no one is to appear before me empty handed. Three different places he says this in scriptures. So what he's saying to us is don't, don't come empty-handed. So here, here's, my, here's, here's my challenge to you then. Is, it, is if tithing seems to be so far out of reach, I can't do that. Start somewhere. From now on, don't, don't show up on Sunday morning without a dollar to just lay back there in that, in that, in that bag. Or, or you know, go on the, go on the uh, website today and just tap. You can give online right there. You know, but, but, but never do that anymore so that you begin to sow. Because until you put some seed in the ground, there can't be a harvest. There can't be a harvest. Oh, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about getting to heaven. I'm talking about the gravy on top of the meat and taters that God has given you by letting you go to heaven. I'm talking about, you know, that, that icing on the cake. I'm talking about the cherry on top. When we say, God, I've got needs, and, and he wants to show up and do amazing, but he can't if we've not put something in the ground. You have to sow something, okay? You know, and as a pastor, I'd really, and a lot of times, I just like to leave all this giving stuff out because I don't want people to think we're just, we're just in this for, no, we're not in this for this. If you got that, sit, you need to sit with me. This, come, come to 101 this afternoon at 3 o'clock, ask me some questions, and let me tell you all the things that this church does outside of these four walls on Sunday mornings and the people that are being ministered to. But if I do ignore it, if I don't tell you about it, then you're sitting there without any seed in your garden, and, and you don't know why I have to tell you these things. Fourth area you need to own your growth is in your reach. This is who we are. And I don't just mean 29-11. I mean the church 
of Jesus Christ. This is who we are. When Jesus was about to leave, and that Acts chapter one, verse eight, that I had up there just a few moments ago, and, and Mark remembered him saying a couple other things, and Matthew remembered him saying a couple of other things, and so we got, we got all these people remembering Jesus saying these things, and, oh, he said this, and says this, and said this. It's like if you were to tell somebody this afternoon what I said, you'd pro- we'd probably have to get seven or eight of you to remember every little thing I said, right? Even if you were writing it down, you're, you're gonna write it down specific things, maybe skip some stuff. That's what was happening here. But when he said all these things, he said, you'll be witnesses unto me in, in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. He said, you'll be witnesses to me there. You know, and Mark is, say, and Mark is talking about the, the, those gifts, and, and, and Matthew is talking about saying, I'm, I, you know, uh, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. You know, when they're saying all of these things, nowhere in all of that, no one remembers Jesus saying this, okay? No one remembers Jesus saying, go build church buildings so you guys can all be comfortable on Sunday mornings. He never said that. In his last moments, you you know, and this is what I've always thought about this. I've said this before, if you've been here a while, you've heard me kind of relate this as well. Is, you know, when your kid's going out for the evening, they ask to borrow the car, or you hear them grabbing their keys to go out, if you've got a moment to tell them something, you don't tell them what the score is unless you're really a sports fanatic. You don't tell them the score of the game because you're listening to it on the radio. My father-in-law, he, he always had certain things he told certain people. He always told my kids when they were leaving, don't do drugs. He used to tell my wife, don't pick up hitchhikers. I don't know why in the world he thought David was going to pick up a hitchhiker, but he would tell her not to pick up. <laughs> if there's anybody in this room that's <laughs> going to pick up a hitchhiker, it is not David. Why did he say those things? Because that was what he was concerned. Jesus had a few moments left with his disciples, and he told them what his concern. My concern is, is that you get out there and you tell them the things I've told you. You reach somebody else that has not been reached. And so let me make an announcement this morning. You know, you've got all kinds of opportunities to do this. All kinds. 2911 gives you all kinds of opportunities. I mean, when you see something on Facebook, it's just not there for you. Just like this isn't just here for you. We need to bring somebody else next week. And that Facebook post that, oh man, that blessed me this week. Share it. Send it to somebody that needs to hear it. You know, you find, you know, if you see the, the, the post that says something about podcast being up, and you say, yeah, that's sermon. You know who needs to hear that? Share it with somebody. We do everything we can to make it easy on you. So let me tell you, one of the things we do at Easter, the, the last two Easter's, you know, when we moved here, we, we, we did one service because this was going to be really big for us to try and do, do multiple services. So we're, we've been doing one. But at Easter, every year we do two services, 9 o'clock and 1030. We've done two Easter's that way. We're going to do it this year, 9 o'clock and 1030. You know why? Not because we need more room. I mean, you've got a few more seats scattered here and there, right? Don't have enough for a whole family to sit on most of the rows, right? But we've got some extra space. We don't do this to create more space for us. We do this to create more space for those who need to come to church. And so this year, we're doing it again, 9 o'clock and 1030, Easter, March 20. Seventh, I think. Thank you. March 27th. We're doing it again. But something is different about it this year is we intend this year to just begin on, on that Easter and to continue having two services from that point on. And this is why. It's because sometimes we look and say, man, it's crowded. God's really blessing, isn't it? 
but it's time for us to reach that next 200 that need to be sitting in these chairs on a Sunday morning. This is who we are. This is our DNA. 2911, this is what God, God didn't call the, the church at all to build a building so we would have enough room and we would be comfortable. He called us to reach somebody else. This is our DNA and who we are. And so we're going back to it now. We, you know, I've just been waiting. You, you can ask the staff. I've been talking to them about this for almost a year now. Next month will be a year that I've been talking to them about this. About, because we need, I, we just, here, here, here's, some people say, well, we need to start another service so we can have more room. But our attitude at 2911 is this is we are looking to start another service as soon as we have enough people to serve and volunteer in all those areas. And we have 115 people on our dream team that I know of, the last count I made. And we've had more people come in and we wanna invite you to become a part of the dream team because on March 27th, we're gonna start another service at nine o'clock. And I know some of you like that nine o'clock service and so you're already shouting, it's like, yes! I don't have to just sit around and wait for the 10.30 service to start, I can be here. I know that, but it's not just about you, it's about those others as well. That's your opportunity. We're making more room for that next 200 people that needs to be here. I, I spent a lot of time talking about these four. I need to wrap this up today. Because this sermon series, you see this sermon series is not just about um, it's not just about this moment. It's about 2016. It's not just about, let's have good church services. It's about you having an awesome life. It's not about us feeling something amazing for an hour and 15 minutes once a week. It's about you having amazing 24-7. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. It's about you having that amazing in your life. That does not happen unless you own your own growth. Otherwise, you're gonna really enjoy this the rest of the year. But the other 6.9 days of the week are going to be the same struggle you had in 2015. You have to decide. And let me tell you this, it's about balance, okay? This is why I say, if you missed one of these sermons, you need to go back and, and listen to it. Not because it's the most awesome sermon, but because there were things said that you need to get. You need to hang on to it. I, I, I know, we don't like to hear all these things because, you know, but it, it is about balance. You know, you can't just pray your way through. See, that's what people ask me to pray for them. Say, I can pray, all, I can pray for you 24 hours a day. It ain't gonna change things unless you're doing something to go along with my, because my prayers are not going to overcome your will. And if your will is lazy or procrastinating, what my prayers are not going to fix that. You know, if you, if you want to take a, a vacation adventure that you want 2016 to be an adventure, let's just talk about vacation. You want to take a vacation? You know, okay, you talk to uh, the hotel about the place you want to stay. You talk to your boss about getting off that week. You talk to the kennel about bringing the dog by, right, right, right? You know, you do all those things. But you also have to make sure there's money in the bank. And you got to not just talk to the hotel about it. You got to give them a credit card to hold the room to make sure that your room is there. And you don't just talk to your boss. You got to make sure that's covered and clear. You know, and hopefully you've got vacation days so that, you know, it's not costing you that much because you're still getting paid that week to go on vacation. And you can't just set up the time at the kennel. You got to take the dog to the kennel, right? I mean, there are things you have to do. It's not just about the communication of prayer, which is so important. You got to do those other things. And, and I know what, here's what some of you are thinking. Oh man, yeah, here it is. Pastor, he's talking about all those rules, 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 rules again. 
One of the things I hate about church, hate about Christianity, he's got all those rules. This is the only time I ever hear people complain about rules. When you get that awesome job, do you complain about the rules? They do expect you to show up, right? They do expect you to work, right? There are rules to everything we do in life. The only time we complain is when we want something for free. You've already been given the most awesome thing for free, and that is salvation, eternity in heaven with him. But if you want some amazing on top of that, if you want an amazing life right here, right now, it it, it takes a little more than just the free. You know, if I were to come to you at the end of service and pull out a set of car keys, say, hey, somebody gave me a Lamborghini this week. They just dropped it off. It's not ever even been cranked, as far as I know. And I just really don't have a use for a Lamborghini. Now, don't let anybody get excited because you know that's probably not going to come out of my mouth, right? I don't really have use for one of those. So here, why don't you just take it? I hand you the keys. Are you going to start thinking about all those rules now? I don't know if I want a Lamborghini. Man, because you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to go, if you don't have your driver's license, you're going to have to go get one. If you don't have a tag, there's no tag on it yet. Somebody gave it to me. You got to go get a tag and you got to pay for the tag. Do you believe this? Somebody gives you a car. You got to go pay for the tag, man. And, and, and you got to get insurance because you can't get the tag unless you've got insurance. You know, you got to get insurance on that thing. And that's just before you even put the key in the ignition, you crank it up. And now you got another set of rules. There are stop signs. There are speed limits. There are red lights. You got seat belts that need to be worn, rules. And if you don't abide by the rules, Popo pulls you over and talks to you about it and maybe gives you a ticket, right? There are rules. And then when you start driving the car, you got to check the oil. Yeah, and we've had some younger ones that didn't know that. You have to check the oil every once in a while, okay, or to get it changed. If you don't know, if you've never heard that word, please come see somebody that looks older than you and just ask them, okay? Because, uh, because if you don't check the oil, the engine will lock up on you eventually. And lock up means it has to have a new one. It doesn't mean we go get a key. It means it's done, okay? You, you got to change the oil. You got you know, to check the tire pressure sometimes. You know, if you see a tire looks a little low, that doesn't mean, well, that looks kind of low. I wonder if it'll fix itself as I drive down the road. No, it don't do that, okay? You know, you got to check. The, if, if little lights come up, on the, on the dash, you've got to pay attention to those things. Yeah, there is a list of rules. And can you imagine me this afternoon, right after church, handing somebody a keys to Lamborghini and saying, it's sitting in my yard, all you got to do is just go do whatever's got it and you, it's yours, take, take it. You know, titles laying in the front seat and you begin adding all that stuff and saying, no, nah, there's too many rules to drive in a car. I just don't want to drive. Okay, here, you can have your keys back. We don't complain about the rules until we become selfish and we just want stuff for free. And I think because we've heard free grace, sometimes we think, there's nothing else required of me. Yes, there is stuff required of you. If you think your marriage is just going to be better because you showed up here for an hour and 15 minutes today, it ain't going to happen. If you think your marriage is going to be better because you, you pray every once in a while, it ain't going to happen. If you think you're gonna, your finances are going to be better because you pray, and you even read the word, I mean, you've you got to be sowing some seed too. It all takes balance. You know, and, and I'm scared to death of people that use superlatives. Last thought right here before I bring it down front. When somebody says the most important dietary supplement you can have in your, you know, your cabinet, I, I, I don't listen to that anymore. 
because I don't believe them. The most effective hair regrowth. Well, y'all know I don't believe those people, right? Because there is not a one most anything. It is about balance. It's about balance. You got to be doing it all. And sometimes, I, you moms, you could teach us some lessons on the juggling act that life is sometimes. But you can't let one of those balls drop, can you? Not one of those precious children. You can't. It's balance. You have to balance. Make up your mind today. Can I ask you to join me at the front? We like to close. If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final song and a final word. Little, little final thought here. Final prayer. So join me, if you will. If you're a first-time attender, we don't, we don't do anything weird. We'd love to have you join us if you're comfortable. Everybody take one step toward me. Got a good crowd today, and it's, thank you. Wow, asking shall receive. Man, I asked you to go one step, and somebody went four or five. Good job, good job. Now, uh, prayer team members, if y'all will, wash your hands every Sunday. That way I can tell them y'all are clean that uh, too as well, so they won't be offended or worried about coming too close to you. This is your day. This is somebody's day. Let, let me, I, got, I, got, I got something I need to read to you, okay, real quick. I, I'm, I'm going to be very brief in my comments with it. Let me read something to you. This is, a, this is from an article, and the whole article is linked on my Sunday's page. When I read this, some of you are going to need to say, I got to go to the Sunday's page read that whole article. This is Lisa Allen. She says, we wait to start consistent quiet times until we feel like getting up earlier. We wait to clean our house until there's a convenient weekend. We wait to join a small group. They launch next week, by the way, until our schedules open up. We wait to begin a healthier lifestyle until the holidays are over. Taking that first step is the hardest and yet most important step. Even a baby step toward a goal is better than staying in place. This is good. Taking a baby step is better than staying in place. Aiming for progress rather than perfection can be quite freeing. So I can't run a marathon but I can lace up my sneakers and go for a walk. And while my home isn't spotless, I can wipe down the counters and put away the piles of laundry around my living room. Yes, I'm still up here, I'm sorry. Yes, there are still dishes in the sink, but I have to start somewhere, right? God is teaching me that I can make progress in the midst of less than perfect circumstances. While I still want to do things with excellence, a, friend's, a friend once told me I need to be willing to take a B instead of an A plus on some things in life. And that helps bring perspective when excuses start to rise up because a lot of us use don't have the time or something's not perfect yet. We use that as our excuse. Plus, I'm learning to overcome my tendency for excuses by telling myself, and this is powerful right here, imperfect action is better than perfect procrastination. Mm, that, yeah. At least half of y'all need to go home and read that whole article, don't you? Because you've been telling yourself why you can't yet. Today's the day to decide. Some of you, today's the day to decide. I'm going to go let one of those prayer team members have been praying for me all week to agree with me that this thing is done this week. Now that's Lisa Allen who wrote to us from something that God was doing right out of her life. Let me read to you what God says in his word in the book of Ecclesiastes. Two little verses real quick. 
There are some things you can be sure of. If clouds are full of rain, they will pour water on the earth. If a tree falls to the south or to the north, then it will stay right where it falls. But there are some things you cannot be sure of, right? We know that. You must take a chance. If you wait for perfect weather, you will never plant your seeds. And if you are afraid that every cloud will bring rain, you will never harvest your crops. Today is a day for somebody to say, 2016 begins right now. I'm going to take ownership of the rest of my year. I'm going to write this chapter. Somebody else is not going to write it for me. I'm not going to complain about rules because the rules are what enable me to be able to drive the car. The rules are what enable me. And when you put, you know, you got to put gas in the car. You can't put it in the radiator. I have, oh, that scares me to even think what gas would do to the rest of the, the, rest of the engine or whatever. You can't put it there. You, you got to put it in the right place. But when you put, you can look at it this way. You can say, I hate having to put gas in this car. Or every time you put gas in the car, you can say, now I can drive the rest of the week. You see, it's, it, it's either a rule or an opportunity according to how you look at it. You look at God's stuff and you say it's rules, you're going to throw it away. But when you look at it and you say, man, this is an opportunity. God has given me the opportunity for some amazing to happen. Bow with me right now. Father.